and welcome to another episode of From, From the, the Lower Level. level. <laughs> I don't know why it still cracks me up this many episodes in. Um, I am one of your hosts, I'm Moshi. And I used to flip tables, but now I'm turning them. I'm Patrizio. <laughs> Love it. That that is that tagline is on point for what we'll be discussing later on in the pod. Um, this week there was only one franchise aired, um, which was Dallas. I'm excluding Salt Lake City because it's reunion territory. And for those who don't know, we'll be talking about the reunion, but we're going to do it as its own little episodes. So this week we're going to talk Dallas. And we thought that we might do a bit of a Real Housewives of New Jersey retrospective just because it is starting this week or in a week's time. And we know there might be some of you who have never seen an episode before or may not know anything about it or are unsure whether or not you should watch it. So we're going to sort of give you a little bit of the history, talk about some of its controversies um, and look at some of its uh, characters and just some of the things that were looking forward to with the season 11. Gonna break it down. We're gonna break it down, exactly. Um, but before we get started with that, any news headlines for us, Patrizio? Okay, well, let's start local. Real Housewives of Melbourne. Um, I saw on Instagram this week that Gina Liano and Lydia Schivello were out on the town and there was a reference in the Instagram post about possibly filming. This is very exciting as local people from the lower level. (laughs) I'm so excited. Like, this is, like, well overdue. Um, We're finally getting another season, hopefully. Yeah. If there is another season of The Real Housewives of Melbourne... It, it will be, like, basically the only thing that's on my Christmas wish list. Like, it's the only thing I want for my birthday. It's the only thing I want for Christmas. It's the only thing I want for any other holidays I decide that I want to um, celebrate this year. And also, we deserve it. After, tw- after getting it through 2020, this is, like, what we've earned, a new season of Real Housewives of Melbourne. Yeah, I guess, like, if you're, if you're unfamiliar... Uh, you know, the production of Real Houses of Melbourne was impeded between, like, um, the cable TV network not being able to, like, afford it anymore uh, with, like, the rise of streaming services. I mean, the whole production company fell under. That's why they actually, like, couldn't even film. So this is all very promising to be hopefully getting another season, I don't know, within the next 12 months. You know what? Where was the GoFundMe? Where was the crowdsourcing for those production costs? Because personally, I would have liked to have contributed and been a producer on The Real Housewives of Melbourne. Can you imagine? Oh, my God, the credits. I want to be on it. I want to be in the back of a scene, like, like looking over while they're screaming at each other at a dinner party. We'll make that happen. We just need some boots on the ground to tell us where they are so we can be there too. I love it. Um, speaking of more controversy, though... Tom and Erica Girardi's house was recently burgled. Ugh. Inside suspicious. job or nah? It's suspicious. Well, I read that um, obviously we know Erica's not living in the house. She's living next door to Army Hammer. <laughs> Shut up. She is not. <laughs> Apparently the house that she's renting 
uh, Army Hammer is renting the house next to it. That you, you know what? You can Google that on your own time. You know what? All I have to say, you in danger, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I, if there's anybody who likes being eaten, I'm sure. Jesus. <laughs> Oops, that's so wrong. Whatever. But I mean, so apparently Tom is the only one in that house still. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how that even happened, given that he potentially doesn't have all his faculties at the moment and is possibly in conservatorship. I think his brother is basically taken over managing everything on his behalf. But, yeah, the one day that maybe they didn't put the burglar alarm on or something, it's a big house for one little man. Yeah, or maybe he just forgot where he put his wallet. Yeah, maybe. At this stage, um, I don't believe they know what's been stolen if anything's been stolen. So it's it's possibly like nothing crazy happened. Like it might be a cat or a coyote. Yeah, or just his wallet's in his other pants. <laughs> or just like he thought it was somebody in the house, but really it was just his reflection. That would I actually mean... be sad. I shouldn't joke about it. Like if he if he is genuinely, you know, ha- going through some some mental health or health issues at the moment, I do wish him a speedy recovery. Well, I mean, but also, like, that's how it starts, like, the dementia. <laughs> you think the clean is stealing from you. That's how it starts. Wow. I know that that's a bit close to home for you there, Patrizia. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there's something that I would need you to explain to me this week because I saw, I saw it in the news and I didn't really understand it, nor did I actually really care. But Nini has been dropped by her PR company. She's actually been dropped by everyone. Like, everyone has ditched her. So the word on the street, it's not a conspiracy. The word on the street is she tweeted um, her her representative. So it's like I think her lawyer and like her agent, they're probably all one, like her team, so to speak. She's severed, they've severed ties with Nini, which kind of makes sense because she, the probably the bulk of the income that she was bringing in was doing housewives. And then obviously with COVID, everything else that she probably would do, like Chicago or other TV performances and things like that, has obviously been cancelled. And she's venturing into, like, I think the hospitality industry now, opening a restaurant or a bar. So I guess for them it was like a mutual decision to end, well, non-mutual decision to end ties. And this led Nini to post on Twitter, like, a whole bunch of stuff just basically um, just saying, like, how dare they kind of let her go, um, how dare they kind of not have her back. This also comes off the back of me making some um, accusations and claims about possible abuse that happened behind the scenes of the filming of Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, I know that Nini has, like, this huge personality and she can be, like, extra and... You know, she does love the fame, but you've got to, I think, to be a housewife. Um, But I think that shouldn't detract from the fact that she's making some real claims about abuse and and saying that she has receipts to back it up. So, I mean, it might be interesting to see those receipts at some point and to learn a little bit more. But I have a feeling that Nini is kind of waiting to be paid money to expose the stuff and it, that that's that stuff that doesn't sit well with me 
Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of sad to have this meteoric rise and you're kind of in the middle of a fall from grace. I think that's what's happening with Nini right now and it's not fun to watch because I'm pretty sure for a lot of people she was their gateway drug into Housewives. Yeah, you know, someone else who has really fallen from your graces, Moshi. Oh, who? <laughs> Cameron Westcott. Oh, 100%. You know, she has blocked Dr. Tiffany Moon this week on all the socials. And she has also come out with an incredibly problematic Insta post. (sighs) Why Uh, we are still talking about the chicken feet is beyond me. I know. So did you see that post, which was basically she was promoting her dog food, Sparkle Dog, which I think is genius. Um, but she basically was saying that she would rather eat sparkle dog than eat chicken feet. And it was just, but it was like the way she said it, it wasn't in good humor. It's like, okay, you would rather eat food that is literally for animals as opposed to eating food that is for humans. Like it's just, it's, ugh, it's just disgusting. It is a microaggression. It is like racist and, I mean, she's since deleted that post. But by blocking Dr. Tiffany Moon, you're not even giving her an opportunity to, like, have a discussion with you. Because if there's one thing we've learned about Dr. Tiffany Moon is that she's not about that cancel culture. She also has a history with Cam. Like, she knew Cam before the show. They're on similar boards, I think, of certain things. And they're obviously... Uh, the like both in the same sort of uh pay bracket right they live in in highland park they're they're both the same like they're both dealing and being around the same sort of people because they're in the same tax bracket so um i think yeah just blocking tiffany i think is not the right way about it and is a bad look for cam (sighs) what do you think I mean, you never liked Cam anyway, so do you just feel validated and vindicated? A little. Like, I'm at this point just waiting for her to come out and be like, Tiffany Moon eats dog. Like, that's what I'm waiting for at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's just, like, peddle the stereotype as far as we can take it. That is what I'm expecting from Cameron Westcott. Like, I'm not surprised by her behaviour. I, like, blocking Tiffany, like, good. Like, Tiffany doesn't need that in her life. You know, that's what I have to say. Let her block you, like. Okay. Um, You know, the last bit, this is pandemic-related. Oh. A COVID headline, if you will. Oh. Uh, you know, Real Housewives of New York, they had to shut down production because of, like, cast and crew catching covid recently which allowed Ramona (laughs) to travel and party it up with her friends dare I say I think at Mar-a-Lago but the housewife cast are angry at her I reckon they're not angry they're just disappointed (laughs) even worse at this point why why are they not just I mean I don't even know like why can't they see this coming why are they not preparing for this Ramonaness? because it's not an outlier it is a probability that 
Ramona will do whatever is best for Ramona. Like if there's Ramona is somebody who, who, you know, likes to think of herself as selfless, but really when it comes down to it, she does whatever is good for Ramona all the time. You know what? She had the COVID. She can't have it again. Well, She's well she, just, she just said she tested for the antibodies. She had the COVID, Boshi. We all saw her at the reunion. Ugh. She had the COVID. I, at this point, like, I just don't know why they're not surprised. Like, they should just, if, if I feel like if you're going to film with Ramona, they should just have her in a, only able to film if she's in a bubble, regard, like a physical bubble, like the, like, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal in that movie. Like, she should only be allowed to film if she's, you know, wrapped up or locked up or something. Like, none of it surprises me. She should just uh, phone it in for the rest of whatever season they have to film. Well, they can't because she's also the reason that people watch the show, right? Ugh. Ugh. Well. I just feel at this point with Ramona, you you know what you're going to get. I don't think, I don't think there's any room left to be disappointed by her or angered by her or pissed off by her. You, you need to just move on from it and just, like, not hold her in high esteem. Just keep her as an acquaintance. Don't have her as a friend. Just Or think of her just as a character. Like, she's a despicable human. You know, Moshi, I think that was one of your best segues yet to talk about the women of Dallas. <laughs> despicable humans. Wow. That's a reach even for you. They are just acquaintances. (laughs) Given that you call them, you call this show the Dr. Tiffany Moon Show. So it's the Dr. Tiffany Moon Show and the acquaintances, a.k.a. the Real Housewives of Dallas. Yeah, we're going to talk about it, but I don't know how I'm feeling about Dr. Tiffany Moon anymore. Oh, oh, okay. I don't even want to break. Hit hit me with it. We're talking Dallas people. Let's get into this. Real Housewives of Dallas, episode number six. You know, it was just another nothing episode for me. Like between <laughs> the shaman and Stephanie's charity, like whatever. Um... <laughs> I just love that you're like literally like you're done. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to anyone who's listening that actually genuinely enjoys Dallas because I'm just watching at this point for the lols. Like, what was um... your what was your biggest lol in this episode? You know, it's got to be um, Deandra and the Shaman. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I just find, I think that he's just like her like gay best friend at this point. That was like the vibe I got of their relationship. I agree. Um, just like throwing petals on her. Like, uh, it's just, it was a lot to watch. Do you know what I really loved is that his home decor was very coming to America. Like he had this throne in the corner that was like kind of, I think, like, what's the word? Like, fake African. And I had, like, leopard print stuff. Like, it was very Wakanda Samunda. Like, these are not real places in Africa. Um, and then he had, like, a rug. Like, the, the the rug that they sat on. I was like, okay, home decor. He's got a rug. But it's, like, leopard print. And it's, like, I know that, like, shamanism, if I'm understanding it correctly, is tied in predominantly with, I think Native Americans and like leopards and stuff, I don't believe 
are, are found in regions that are, are connected with these people. Or I, I guess it's um, connected also with um, uh, South Americans. But, yeah, his, his setup was, like, very Zamunda and not very, like, maybe Mayan. So I'm, I really wasn't finding him believable as a shaman. But I'm also, I know nothing about shamanism and I may have just made a bunch of generalisations. You know what we do know is that he's earning a pretty dollar off Deandra. Oh, 100%. I'm sure of it. 100%. It's all Mama D's money anyway. So I want to see Mama D and the shaman. I want to see Mama D getting her note, her like boobers sucked out of her Ew. nose by the shaman. That's nasty. I think it'd be hilarious. I, I also love the fact that again I called it Deandra just called out that she's done every fucking drug that there is I know right a queen, it's like, a queen. she's just like I don't know not even hiding it at this point not that I think she was ever hiding it no but like it's just let's let, we can, let's talk about it <laughs> let's talk about it um okay so your funniest bit was the shaman what was like something that like made you cringe any time that Cameron Westcott was on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Why does her dog keep pooping on the treadmill? That's my question. There's some sort because of I think it's I think it's the activity of running. I think that must like loosen the bowels, no? I have a yeah. dog and I'm thinking about it. Like Maisie can't just like and she's listening right now. Sorry, Maze, talking about you. But she won't just like poop. Like, she sometimes has to do, like, a bit of a walk before she does it. She can't run. She's old. But I'm sure when she was younger, she would run first, then poop. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, yeah. I mean, Carrie, anytime she's on the screen, like, <laughs> okay, wow. So, just, like, I really hate these women. <laughs> I, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that from you. So this week, um, from last week, Dr. Tiffany Moon realised that, you know, she's struggling to form real bonds with the ladies. Like, she she gets it that they don't like her. And we learn that she was, like, kind of a loner growing up in middle school and stuff. So she never really experienced what it is to, like, make friends and have best friends. So essentially she has no friends. Her life, her work is her life. Like, it's it's the only thing that she's done. And so in an effort to try and be friend these women and to to make them like her more, she threw the world's most awkward pizza party. Oh, my God, it was terrible. It was horrible. I incidentally also made pizza yesterday before I even knew there was going to be a pizza party on the show. I was like, oh, this is a nice little symbiosis. <laughs> oh, my God, I love that. My pizza was better than this. Um, but, yeah, so let's talk about the pizza party. I mean, so even before they've made it to the pizza party, uh, Dr. Tiffany Moon has sent them all a message indicating that the party will wrap up at 10.30pm because um, she has a meeting the next day. Yeah, the text message, and they did show the text message on the screen. The text message was a bit cringe. I mean, she did put a love heart at the end of it. <laughs> but the text message wasn't right. And I will say that, I mean, I personally believe in party etiquette and the etiquette that that Cam did say was when you initially invite people, you give them the start time 
And that's when you also give them the end time. Don't like wait for everybody to confirm and do whatever they want to do. And then like as an afterthought, be like, oh, yeah. And by the way, you need to leave at this time. Like that, that's not a good move. And I hate to say it. I'm going to also agree on Brandy with this one. Like if you can't host it because mm-hmm. you've got like something on the next day. Don't like, do maybe- it girl just pick another day like it's fine um you know what uh she did come out on twitter like during the episode and she did say that like you know she was just trying to be you know helpful and give everyone an idea of when their sitter will wrap up for like the day and you know so that they could all have a fresh start in the morning and blah 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 so i appreciate where she was coming from i think she had good intent but extremely poor execution. I think we've seen where having good intent gets you on all of these shows. It's about time these people had no intention. Just no intention. Just own the fact that you're just doing shit because you're doing it. Because their intention is always bad. (laughs) It always backfires. (sighs) Yeah. Well, I I mean, yes. I was going to say, the other thing is that, I mean, she's got Deandra there. I would be leaning on Deandra as somebody who's kind of also like maybe a little bit on the outs, but also has an in with all these women to be like, hey, I'm like, why is she not running these ideas past Deandra first? Because I feel like if there's one thing Deandra knows how to do, it's like just throw a party. Like, you know, like she, you've got somebody there who's maybe not your best girlfriend, but they are your best girlfriend on the show. So like lean on them. They'll help you out with stuff. I mean, None of these women do a party on their own. Look at Cam. Cam's, every time she's organising something, she'll, she's, like, pulling in Stephanie to help her with doing the extra bits and pieces of, of Carrie's 50th birthday. So, yeah, I think I think Dr Tiffany needs to ask for more help. I see, like, I don't see that she has that much of a relationship with Deandra. I think, the, like, the relationship she seems to have is with Mama D. yeah. And it's by extension with Deandra. But Deandra has had her back the whole time. Like Deandra still comes to her defense. Deandra was who she was chuckling to when she put the crickets in. Like, I'm just saying that um, she does have a fake buddy, if it is a fake buddy, on the show. And it's just, I, I don't know if she's seeing that. I don't know if she's seeing that, like, just lean on somebody else. Don't take on all of this responsibility on your own because when you do, that's when it backfires. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe the other part of this, though, is that she was really trying to involve the ladies in, like, her family tradition of, like, having, like, pizza parties. Yeah. And, you know, she was trying to, like, give them more of an insight into her family life, into her home, which, you know, she doesn't seem to share with many people. So True. I guess maybe she was just trying to do it on her own to, you know, just show the other ladies what she's all about. I mean... <sighs> Yeah. But it just goes from bad to worse. It really did. And the women arrive and you got to put on your booties because there's no shoes in the house, but she's um, allowing them to keep so their shoes on. Dr. Tiffany Moon and one Miriam Cosby, one thing that they have in common, aside from both being new housewives, is they are both about the, the shoe booty. And you know what? I'm kind of here for it yeah. because I like the idea of keeping your shoes on, but also the idea of keeping 
like respecting somebody else's home. I'm gonna be really honest. Like the first time I saw Miriam Cosby do it, I was like, "Oh, that kind of feels like something Patrizio would do." But then when I 100% saw Tiffany Moon do it on this episode, I was like, "Patrizio is going to be making us walk into his house with shoe booties." I it had your energy. Oh my god, maybe I need to get a box. But I would get like, can you get black? See, and here we go. You know how you can get like black face masks? Yeah. And here it is. Now it also needs to be aesthetics. But number, this is so on your brand. Like I see this you (laughs) very soon. Well, I will, when I, when I solidify the rules of my home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, look, I mean, here for it. Uh, but yeah, it just like continues to sort of get worse and worse. Because then she gets into, like, the rules. The rules rules was, I'm going to also quote, I think was Brandy on this, and I hate to say this. The (laughs) fact that she said that, like, having fun was, like, the last rule. Fail. (sighs) Yeah, and you can tell that, like, I think I agree with Deandra. I think she was nervous about hosting. She was nervous about having these women in her home. I think, too, that's also just, like, the personality that she has, that she is, uh, like, you know... A control freak, type A, like, just... She's a type A+. plus. Like, she's... It's it's a level of type A-ness that I have never witnessed before. And I, and I know a lot of type A people. Yeah, she took it to a new level, right? And, yeah, it does definitely remove the element of fun when there are so many rules and it's hard to like keep track of them all especially when they start drinking like no one's going to remember their booties in the house and you have to like swap booties every time why do you not just get designated one pair of booties this is my question uh, so when well because, because the thing the is the thing is when you take the booties out you're walking outside they're getting dirty so you can't wear dirty booties inside the house you may as well have worn uh, like the, you're saying shoes. Do you know what I think would have been a bit of a better look if she had given everybody shoe, special shoes? So shoes she knows have, one, never been worn before and the only time that they've been worn is in her backyard and in the house. Like little house slippers that could have matched their little monogrammed aprons. Like she should have brought them all like little Adidas slides or something. You know what I mean? Oh my god, Moshi, she needed you in her corner. Well, Where 100%, were you? 100%. I feel like she's got the dollars for it, but I think, yeah, it would have been like maybe rather than getting people to put these booties on, because it's not like they're, they're, they're just in her backyard. You know what I mean? It's like they're going to be sitting down for her, for the majority of the night anyway. But yeah, I think it would have been like maybe supply people with house shoes or shoes that they can wear in your backyard and in your house so you know where they've mm. been. Yes. Well, you know, and then I think the problem then becomes that she wants to be, she wants to follow her final rule of like having fun. And that's when she decides to pay, play this prank where first of all, <laughs> she pulls out the crickets as a possible pizza item. Well, they're edible just... crickets and they came in flavored varieties. Yeah. Well, I'm crickets on pizza is like pineapple on pizza. Like, I'm sorry, but. I don't know how I feel about Have it. you had crickets before? Oh, my God. I've never been able to do it because 
I think I could do it if you didn't tell me what they were, but like when I like look at them and I know what they are, I'm like, I can't, I can't mentally get past that. Okay. So question, have you had escargot? Have you ate snails? I've never had the pleasure. Oh, you've not done it. Okay. So I have, yes, this was obviously an avenue for me to tell you all about the time I was in Paris eating escargot, (laughs) but whatever. Maybe a little beret on. (laughs) But Okay, so I had escargot, and the texture reminded me very much of eating uh, prawns, shrimps, you know, shellfish. And I was wondering if, like crickets as a rule, if they have, like, a similar texture to another kind of, I don't know, we don't eat another insect, but I wonder if it's, it's, if it's like, a similar thing because the way I look at it is that snails have shells which is why their texture was so similar to a prawn because once you take off that external you know their bones are on their outside essentially like once you take that off you're just going to get something squishy on the inside so I'm just like I'm wondering if these crickets it's like similar I wonder if they have the similar texture to something else that we eat I don't care it's not Italian okay did you know (laughs) did you know that in Italy the recipe for the pizza base is like it's by law what flour you have to put into it. It's a law. It's illegal to do anything other than the Italian pizza base. Okay, so for and that's you, how it should be with the toppings as well. I'm so for sorry. you, crickets are a legal issue. So it's an issue of legality as well as an issue of taste. Yes, and I wrote the cease and desist and Dr. Tiffany Moon will be receiving it shortly. So this is why Tiffany has fallen from your good graces because you're suing her on behalf of <laughs> Italy and all the Italian people. I mean, that's that's what I'm hearing from you. <laughs> no, she she's fallen from my good graces because this party was just a shit show. <laughs> <isn't it>? like, <laughs> yeah, but I think like she, we, we know it's going to be a mess. We know it's going to be a mess. She tried too hard. She like then tried to play this prank the prank was just like, uh, she, like, I'm not going to say she knew, but how did she not know that this was not going to end in tears? She already had the chicken feet thing. Like, it's just yeah. sort of like, need to let the mouse go. Okay. Thank you, Saturn. Um, I think you're right, though, that like she was already on this slippery slope with the whole food thing, that like a food-based prank was not the right way to go. But she didn't poison anyone. The crickets were edible crickets. It's not like she just went to her backyard and waited at night until she started hearing those noises, got the net out and started, like, farming some crickets. Like, they were in a packet. They'd been flavoured. They'd been cooked. Like, they were for edible consumption. And up until Brandy found out, so so she ends up, like, sneaking the the crickets into her pizza and up until brandy because brandy they had like what a pizza contest who had the best pizza and brandy said that tiffany had the best pizza and this is true brandy is known for being the prankster we all remember the dildo incident okay and up yeah brandy had said that that was the best pizza up until she found out it was crickets and then suddenly she's making herself vomit to me, that was bullshit. That was an overreach. That was just unnecessary drama. You could have just been like, oh, I don't like the set. I'm not, I'm not happy that you did that. But, like, the whole vomiting and the that was bullshit. 
But this was the moment I realized that I'm sadistic because I really enjoyed watching it. <laughs> <laughs> you enjoyed watching her getting sick? Call me sadistic, call me evil. But like, I was like, well, because you knew what was put on. Like, clearly, you yeah, it was fake. Were fine. And this whole bullshit about like her stomach is sensitive or whatever other, you know, story she was coming up with. I was like, girl, you are trying way too hard. Like, Thank there was you. a lot of trying hard at this party. I agree. And Brandy was an accomplice. I, I just think that, like, yeah, I. I, I think it was a shit prank. Like, I definitely think she shouldn't have done a food prank. Um, and I have to agree with Deandra on this. Deandra was like, you're overreacting. And I think she was. And, yeah, like, for me, the fact that this was what the drama was in that episode, I'm with you. It's boring. You know, the other thing that I thought was just, like, an overreach um, like this piñata that they bought <laughs> for Carrie. Like, you know what I don't like about this? And it's because I don't like Carrie. But, like, this whole, like, extend the birthday out to, like, every event of the season. Like, I, I get she turned 50. It's a milestone. But, like, did they did they have to bring the piñata to this party? Well, like, the, not, this is it, not about her birthday. It's not Carrie extending it, though. It's Cam extending it and Stephanie. And I definitely think, and I'm going to say this, that there is potentially a plot here between Stephanie, excuse me, Stephanie, Cam and Carrie because, you know, that that they're trying to, to make this the, the storyline. I, I get I get it because it's COVID. People are doing things that they probably wouldn't normally do because they're trying to create more drama and more interest. But, I mean, I'm. what was the last piñata we saw in Housewives? I'm like, this piñata didn't have any diamonds in it. So, like, didn't have any real jewellery or anything like that in it. And on a Housewives show, I don't want to see a piñata that just has mini bottles of tequila and, like, fake jewellery. I want to see, like, expensive shit in the piñata. You want to see Chanel. You want to see diamond necklaces. I'm trying to remember which show it was. I'm pretty sure it was Bling Empire, where there was, like, a piñata and, like, hardcore expensive things was coming out of the piñata. Like, necklaces worth $15,000 and stuff. That's what I want from these types of shows. I want to be invited to one of those parties. Yes. But it's a shame for me that you you didn't like the piñata because I was actually thinking that I might get a piñata for my birthday this year. I won't be putting expensive things in it. I'll probably just put mini bottles of alcohol too. But I'm poor, so I feel like that's okay. (laughs) Well, I cannot wait for this piñata. I will maintain my six-foot distance while I hit the piñata. Okay, fabulous, fabulous. Um, Another thing that I wanted to kind of just bring up in relation to Dallas is Brandy. Now, is it just me or are they really not filming much of her? I, 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 mm, hmm. No, we haven't seen much of her. 
but like has she ever had a storyline I don't know yes yes she's always been such a mainstay because she's always at the center of drama with like a Leanne or with someone and and her and Stephanie are normally thick as thieves like concocting stuff like you know we had we've seen her have um the debacle with the miscarriage adopting Bruin like the issues with her daughter who is such a little smart ass like we've seen all of that and we're kind of getting the little vignettes of her with her family you know before they cut away to shots and she had like one confessional I think in this episode where she's essentially just asked to kind of like comment on what's happening and then of course we see her vomiting at the end and I was also just like they're doing her so dirty because the only time they're really showing her is when she's like in the dunny, like face down in the dunny. But I just feel like she's not getting much screen time. And I mean, I think that that makes sense given what she did. It's like they had that first episode where she was cleansed of her sins by Dr. Tiffany Moon, but then we've really got nothing else from her. I just think it's because she's got nothing to give. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll see more as the season progresses. Maybe. But like, I, I don't know. I feel like she should have just been offered a friend. She feels like a friend off to me at this point. Totally. Like, she's, like, I feel like her and Jen are getting just as many scenes together. Well, I mean, Jen was hardly even at the pizza party. But she's still got um, a, she gets an entry. She's at every event. Yes, but she's getting less. She's definitely getting less screen time than Brandy is for sure. Oh yeah, but only by a smidgen. Not by much, no. no. Um, is there anything else that you really want to say about Dallas other than the fact that it's it's crazy? I mean, they've they've got a trip lined up, cast trip. They're going to Austin. Yeah. Well, I read that they've got two cast trips this season. Um, and that Jen is not at either of them, apparently. So well, we won't she's see not... Jen for a few weeks. Yeah, but next week they head to Austin and we're going to get a cast trip. And we know that trips, like, if it's anything like Atlanta, the trips are when shit gets turned up and starts to get a bit interesting. Maybe we'll find well, out now why Cam has blocked Tiffany. I don't know. Nah, I don't think so. We'll just see Deandra and Carrie continue their food. Oh, Look, Cameron's still taking cheap shots at Dr. Tiffany Moon, so I'm sure we'll continue to see that. But I don't know. Maybe Brandy will have something. Maybe she'll she'll participate in the next episode. <laughs> Maybe. All right, let's take a break and then come back and talk all things Real, Real Housewives of New Jersey. Real Housewives of New Jersey the new season starts next week, Moshi. I know that you're excited. I'm I have so completely excited. forgotten about these women. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. Okay, so I am so excited about the Real Housewives of New Jersey, and I want to prefix this by saying, preface this by saying, New Jersey isn't really like my fate. One of my favorite franchises. I think maybe it, it's in my my top five. But it's it's not it's not really one that like always like I'm excited to watch. I find that it generally has underwhelmed me a lot the last couple of seasons. But I am so excited to watch it this season. And I don't think I've been this excited for this franchise since Teresa got out of jail. 
And <laughs> and if you've never watched The Real Housewives of New Jersey before and you're listening to this podcast, I hope that by the end of it, we leave you wanting to watch it. That, that's what my hope is. I mean, will it go that way? We don't know. But the reason, Patrizia, I'm so excited and I'm this level of excitement is obviously New Jersey has been filmed during the pandemic, but unlike other franchises, the thing about the women of New Jersey is that they tend to be no bullshit. Like New Jersey for me very much is its own planet. These women (laughs) exist in a completely different universe from all the other franchises and they exist and play by their own rules. I don't think we're going to see any of the any of them like pretending like they actually care about the pandemic and wearing those face shields that we're seeing the cast of Dallas and Atlanta wear, which we know that without additional PPE is doing nothing, sis. So I just think, you know what? They're just going to lean into being who they are which means that they're not going to let anything hold them back and they're still going to just bring it. It'll be like the pandemic isn't even happening in New Jersey. Oh, my God. You know, (laughs) I did watch the trailer and I was like, oh, this was filmed, like, during 2020? (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I mean. It's, it's, we're not going to have, I think they're just going to be like, oh, yeah, there's a pandemic. Okay, then, as opposed to being like, Oh, and you know, fake caring or doing other stuff. It's like they're going to give us just what we want from our housewives, which is everything. <laughs> just everything. I mean, I don't know if you saw this week, uh, there was like a teaser of the first episode that came out, and it's got um, Dolores speaking about how she went and got like plastic surgery. Um, during the pandemic, like she got like everything done as well. She got like lipo. She got like a tummy tuck. Like it wasn't like a couple of fillers. You know what I mean? I know. I mean, and I'm just gonna say it. She looks fabulous. There's a picture that she posted on her Instagram today of her and her sister, and there is no way you can even tell they're related. <laughs> Oh my god! So, uh, Moshi, I do know that you have been like watching back the last like couple of seasons of yes. New Jersey. I've, uh, I've started from the beginning, so I'm still on season three, and yeah, it's crazy. But uh, like, you did send me this photo of Dolores, who was like made like a guest appearance at one of these episodes, and like unrecognizable. <laughs> so, as with like other housewives who have appeared in franchises. Dolores was a friend of in season three of Real Housewives of New Jersey. And the weird thing was, is I had it playing in the background and I heard her voice before I went and validated that I was seeing her in Jacqueline Lorita's backyard. And um, yeah, and, and, you know, she's also in a scene with Caroline in season three. They're quite good friends. So Dolores was like always lurking in the background. She was always behind the scenes. She was always with these Jersey women. So I think with that said, because we're just pulling in names now, maybe it's a good time to give like a little bit of a history about the Real Housewives of New Jersey, because like I said, it is a very different franchise than any of the others. And I believe lives in its own universe. It's its own, it's its own thing. 
I totally agree with you on that. And I think it is the family connection, which is what makes it more unique compared to, you know, other um, franchises, which, you know, have connections of like, you know, living in the same like postcode or, you know, living in the same tax bracket. Um, This is all about family. And when you fuck with family, you're fucking with me. Yes. (laughs) Hardcore. I mean, I think, I know I've said that I think New York has some great one-liners, particularly from Sonia Morgan, but I think New Jersey is very quotable. So um, I'm going to break down the facts from Wikipedia. And if you can hear bouncing in the background, that's my dog bouncing her tennis ball because she's decided that she now wants to play. Um, So New Jersey was the fourth franchise that Bravo picked up after Orange County, New York, Atlanta. And it started out, if memory serves me well, it wasn't initially going to be a housewife show. Like it wasn't going to be a real housewives uh, show. It was going to be its own show that followed the lives of two specific families. So there was the Manzo and Loretta family um, and the women from that, in the original season, uh, Caroline Manzo, at the time her sister, Dina Manzo, who is both her sister by birth, but also at the time her sister-in-law because she was married to Caroline's husband's brother, Wild, and then Jacqueline Lorita, who was their sister-in-law, who was married to Dina and and Caroline's brother, Chris. Um, And then the other characters that we had or the other women that we have who I mean probably one of the most iconic housewives of all time is Teresa Giudice or Judice depending on how you want to pronounce her name and another woman who was Jacqueline's friend we'll say um, who is infamous in housewives law the Danielle Staub And um, for the first two seasons, it really is just about these five women. Uh, Dina actually leaves halfway through season two. And the whole controversy is really around um, the Judice, Teresa, the Manzos, Loritas versus Danielle Stubb. It is, it, is the, it is the people versus Danielle Stubb is what the first two seasons are. Um, and there is a lot of name calling. There are tables that are flipped. There are, yeah, just so many expletives and so much slut shaming. We also have like mob ties. Like there's just so much ridiculousness in just those two seasons that are combined, I think only 20 episodes. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, iconic. The table flip. Like, if you've never watched House Lives before, for sure you have still seen the, the table flip. Like, Teresa, that's, it's iconic. Um, that whole scene is just iconic for so many different reasons. I'm just oh, thinking it, about it now. Yeah, I mean, having freshly rewatched it, it, it was, it's almost impossible for me to pull it apart. But it seems to me that at the catalyst, like... What I think the other thing that made the show a little bit different is, okay, so we talk about the family side of things, but Caroline is very much everybody looks to Caroline as being like the HBIC. She is the woman. She's, she's the, the older of the, of the women and she's the one that they like all sort of turn to for advice and she takes on the matriarchal role like, like it's what she wanted. 
Um, but I think what we start to see in season two, particularly with Teresa's storyline, is this is when her and her husband Joe first file for bankruptcy, um, which is going to become a huge through line. Teresa, Joe, money and housewives becomes this huge through line for for their for what happens to the whole to, to the entire franchise. It affects everything. Because by season three, these women are so famous. Like they're more famous than they thought they could be. The fra- like there's so many more Housewives franchises. Um, Teresa has established herself as like like social media is also really starting to become a thing at this point, and so they're starting to like brand themselves. Um, we see Teresa and Joe lose all that money, and then Teresa and then the roles in the Judice home start to change because Teresa is the primary breadwinner, and these are like traditional Italian families. The husbands work. The women stay at home. Yes, and it's totally that like Italian family connection. Yeah, um, which I mean, it's like through all of them, really. Um, and Teresa really is like she is. I think the only OG at this point on the show. Correct. Um, but it is the Teresa Judas show. Like she literally went to jail and they like stopped filming until she got out of jail. Like, <laughs> But I think, I think this is also when you start to see, I think like more of the power dynamics start to shift. Like I think at this point, Caroline starts to realize that Housewives is going to be less about the Manzos. And one thing that I will say for Caroline is that I know like Dr. Tiffany Moon talks about being like a tiger mom or something, but there is something about the traditional Italian mama, I think. Like Caroline prides herself on doing whatever it's going to take to, I guess, make her entire family successful. Um, and we know in season three it's still family drama, but this time what's happened is Teresa has brought on more of her family. So her sister-in-law, Melissa Gorga, joins who is married to Teresa's brother and her cousin, Kathy Wakili, her first cousin, joins uh, Kathy's mother and Teresa and Joe's father uh, as siblings. And there is a shift from like the Manzos and what the Manzos are about. And it becomes all about the Judice Gorga Wakili's. And that's when it really becomes the Teresa show. But I think, to be fair, like, Caroline Manzo did manage to get her spin-off manzo with children. And, like, I feel like these days it's pretty hard to get, a, like, a Bravo spin-off show for a housewife. Like, I don't remember the last spin-off that we got. No, I, I 100% agree with you. I uh, But for me what it is, and this is what's been really interesting to re-watch it with knowing the future, because in the future we also know that Caroline and Teresa and everybody ends up not not being friends you know there's there are huge rifts between these families that started off thick as thieves um and a lot of it I believe is because of the shift in power dynamic um I think that Caroline Manzo from the get-go like she knew her brand and she knew like she, she might have never had media training but she is so savvy from the get-go, she knew her brand. She knew what she was going to sell 
about her and her family and it was all about everybody towing the line and I think we see that you know Dina essentially tows the line until she can't anymore um it's the same thing with Jacqueline you know Jacqueline knows what she has to do to tow the line and I think we see that Caroline leaves the show leaves the franchise which has been such a catalyst for her because she gets a radio slot you know all her children are essentially become influencers before influencers were a thing like she got out of there when she was like I don't have the most popularity on this show but the thing is the people still love her so she was able to pitch because she is smart she is savvy she was able to pitch I guess what she was maybe going for was like a Kardashians, a New Jersey Kardashians. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's funny as we talk about this, I feel like you could interchange like Judice and Manzo and New Jersey with like Capulet, Montague and Verona. <laughs> <laughs> like initially 100%. like when you opened and you were like two families, I was like, is she about to quote Shakespeare? <laughs> I mean, I think New Jersey is Shakespearean. Wow. I think you're, I no, but I feel like it is. Um, and I think it's the theatre of New Jersey. It, it, it just is so different from, from the other franchises. And I think that that Shakespearean side of it, it is about the power and is about more of the dynamics amongst the women because the fights on the show are actually so stupid. Oh, my God. Like, what is one of your favourite beefs of all time on New Jersey? I mean, for me, sprinkle cookies. Oh, my God, not the sprinkle cookies. And, and I mean, we know that, like, sprinkle cookies is a cog <laughs> in a much bigger wheel. But I think the sprinkle the sprinkle cookies incident of the 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 two thousand and tens is a big one for me. Uh, so for context, this happens in season three, and you know Melissa and Teresa, the sister in laws, they are feuding like it's Shakespearean feuding, and it's a lot of tit for tat feuding. And at the heart of it, you also you have, oh, I just want to say a great character on this show is uh, Rich Wakili, Kathy's husband. Oh, he's great. He, he narrates a lot of the drama. He, like, tells you about, you know, how Joe and Teresa came together because both their families were from the same village in Italy and when they both migrated, I mean, this I think you're absolutely right. I think this is where it becomes kind of Shakespearean. You know, they, when they both families had migrated to America, they like found each other because they knew each other from the village. And, you know, Teresa and Joe were, uh, her Joe were, were, you know, the girl and guy next door. And their marriage was kind of written before, like it wasn't something I don't think that they decided on. It was already there. And then the whole issue that uh, Teresa has with her sister-in-law is that she feels like her sister-in-law is kind of coming for her crown. Like that is at the heart of it is like this weird jealousy because Melissa is like a hotter, younger version of Teresa and is having a, is, is in a much happier relationship 
with Teresa's brother and is getting all the things that Teresa isn't getting anymore because Joe lost all that money, right? Um, I just, no, sorry, I just been on my mind. You know, if my sister-in-law brought sprinkle cookies to Christmas, honestly, I would also show her the door. Like, yeah, it's so inexcusable. I mean, so the sprinkle cookies beef, Melissa Gorga, who was pregnant at the time, like about to give birth, gave, what was it, it was like for Thanksgiving or for another family event, or it was Teresa's birthday. She gave her these sprinkle cookies, which have actually been in the New York Times uh, this last week. People have been talking about them. They're quite a popular cookie in the US. Um, and little did Melissa know that Teresa does not like sprinkle cookies. She prefers a different type of cookie. So she texted <laughs> Melissa, who is heavily pregnant, and just told her that she didn't like that nobody liked the cookies. So she threw them in the bin. <laughs> I love this energy. Like, you know what? Am I Teresa Judice? Possibly. Possibly. Um, I also, there's a really good one where um, obviously uh, Teresa, the reason why Teresa is so salty is because Melissa also gave her a card that said, congratulations on your remodeled home <laughs> when they moved in, as opposed to congratulations on your new home. Um <laughs> And, I mean, it, like this, this tick for tatness is brilliant. So much so that when Teresa and her brother go to have a sit down to try and like squash the beef, he has like a laminated piece of paper with all the issues Melissa has <laughs> with Teresa itemized, laminated. At one point when I was looking at the formatting of the things, it's like each issue is underlined and then, like, the the points are in dot point underneath. And I'm, like, I mean, it was made on, like, Word or, um, like, using Word art or something. But, like, you just, yeah, you just don't get this kind of drama over the weirdest things. And they do love and fight passionately. I hate to lean into the stereotype. Yeah, you know, um, one of my favourite beefs, um, which is actually a very dark moment on the show, um, is when the Gorga, Judice and Wakili family go to, like, that family therapy in the middle of nowhere. And it actually leads to Joe Judice, Teresa's husband, and Joe Gorga, her brother, having a physical altercation with one another. Like, Big time punch on. It was like, I think it was just like that, that, what is that? It was like the lowest point. Like you It know, was, it, it was it, horrible. It had to get there though, so that they could, you know, improve, I think. Um, but I think my favorite part of that fight is that like afterwards when they've broken up the fight, Joe Gorga, no, sorry, Joe Judice is just like covered in this black stuff. And they're like, what <laughs> is this like black stuff that's on you? And it was because Joe Gorga at the time, because he was like, you know, worried about his hair loss, had been like, <laughs> like <laughs> filling in the blanks with this like black stuff. <laughs> they had like rubbed off on his brother in law during the fight. Oh, I think it's really important to actually put out there that I do think that the New Jersey housewives are the most vain, like in terms of like the ones who want to look the best the most which 
all of these housewives do. But I do think that there is a certain, it's, it's just, it's done differently in Jersey um, and it's fabulous. But yeah, I mean, the whole Judice, Jude, uh, Gorga thing, that, that whole season where they're all on together, that starts with a fight. Um, New Jersey is probably, I think, the most violent of all the franchises. There are punch-ons in basically almost every season. Um, in the last seasons, we, we've had punch-ons. We had hair pulling. We had water being thrown on people. Like, it's it's People very pushed intense. in pools. People, yeah. Plates like, smashed. So much. thrown. Like, yes, it's a huge list. But um, um, I also think... New Jersey housewife. So um, apart from having like some of the best beefs and feuds, it also has the best controversies on and off air. Just the fact that Teresa went to jail. I mean, just look, you know what? Her going to jail. I mean, like, yes, huge moment on the show. But the fact, like I said before, that they actually like refused to film without her like this just shows like how pivotal she is and like I reckon that would have pissed everyone else in the cast off right like Melissa Gorga you just know she was gunning for a season without her sister-in-law because it never would have happened I know but she would have wanted it so hard um I think the interesting thing about Housewives is or New Jersey, I just want to say as well, is in every other franchise, I think we've seen the mantle of, like, Queen Bee change throughout the seasons. And the weird thing about New Jersey, and it's, I guess, this underlying thing of, like, loyalty and, and, you know, a lot of it is that by, I want to say, maybe, like, season eight, like, everything does rotate around Teresa. Like, everybody's connection to be on the show is Teresa and you you know it's never going to be Melissa Melissa just doesn't bring it enough like I hate to say it Melissa is really on the show probably more because her husband is more interesting um than her and I think the other thing to say is that the husbands and the men of New Jersey this is again the only franchise as well to the best of my knowledge where the husbands or you know partners of uh, a paid a, like a salary as well for being on the show so in other franchises as part of the production the husbands are just ancillary characters they're limbs to their wives whereas in this show the husbands are their own they're, they're their own uh characters they're their own uh players in the game and are treated as such which i think goes a long way for the show as well Yeah, so, you know, you did mention, and we have been talking about, you know, Teresa going to jail, but and the the through line that her first bankruptcy had throughout this all these seasons. And, like, I guess Mm. that is the biggest controversy, right, from the point of going bankrupt and then, you know, all the dodginess with Joe Judice and, you know, then them going to court because they were found by the IRS to be dodging um taxes or whatever it was mortgage fraud like it was like everything and then how they both get convicted um and Teresa spends one year in jail and Joe Judice gets sentenced to 3 years in jail and then gets detained by ice <laughs> ah! 
Because Old Mate never became an American citizen. Is it not Shakespearean? He came to America at the age of one, is now in his 50s, has this tax situation, gets put in jail, then in Trump's America, mm-hmm. you know, and he probably votes for, well, he doesn't vote, but if he could vote, I'm sure he would vote for Trump, then is detained by ICE because this is this arrest has now affected his ability to stay in the country. Mind you, you know, his kids are there, his wife's there, like he's technically got DACA through his kids. And then he eventually resigns himself to rather than fighting the deportation, he basically asks them to deport him. One, because it's better than being stuck in jail and in deportation situation. He said that was worse than prison. Mm, and I believe that. I believe that. Um, he gets to go back and just live his life in Italy essentially kind of as a bachelor because his family all stay in America. And if there's one thing we know and there's one thing I feel about Joe Judice is that he just, like, hates his family. <laughs> yes, they are ancillary his... characters. <laughs> yeah, like, he loves his daughters, don't get me wrong. But he was tired of Teresa. It was so obvious, like, well, just I mean, intense. There's been allegations of affairs throughout the season. Oh, like... of course. Well, he called another woman whilst mic'd up on one of their trips. How like... dumb have you got to be, like, honestly? <laughs> oh, my God. The more we say about this show, I'm just like, it's a freaking onion. There are so many layers. Yeah, but, you know, I think the interesting thing has been that for now the last three seasons, like, the cast has been, like, extremely stable. Like, we have the same yeah. set of women. Um, yeah. You know, we brought in some new women who, you know, we've got, like, Jackie, who is Jewish. Um, we have Margaret, who has a bit of an Italian connection as well. Um, and then we have Jennifer, who is Turkish. So, you know still very much um i think similar like cultural backgrounds yeah um, but is diversified a little bit away from that italian you know connection that they definitely had in the earlier seasons um but it's so good i think that they have had that consistent cast now i'm definitely really interested to see like how it develops further this season um but I think that's, like, one thing to commend them on. Like, I think we've seen it in Potomac as well. And it's, like, the the franchises that have that really strong, consistent cast are the ones that are going to bring it to you. Because there's, like, no new girl to have to, like, get to know or, you know, to ruffle feathers. Like, these women are, like, more than happy to, like, feud amongst themselves at this point. It's – but at the end of the day, the feuds are always – like, it's still – I still very much feel that, like, 10 11 seasons in Teresa is it's it's always still like Trey is still always fighting for for something but I think her kind of redemption arc that she had where she went from being all hectic and becoming about the namaste like is so interesting like she's a bodybuilder now she's practicing yoga she's like all about mind body spirit I mean she's still got time to have some serious drama but when Daniel Starb returned in, what, season 10 out of nowhere and was best friends basically with Teresa when Teresa had threatened to kill her in, in, in earlier seasons, like 
and had actually physically attacked her, called her a prostitution whore, almost turned the table on her face, like had done anything you can think of to this woman and they were best friends. It was like, how how is this happening? This is so ridiculous. I mean, you know, Danielle Stop had really two feuds going, right? She had one with Teresa and the other one with Jacqueline. Yeah. And maybe, you know, the hatred of Jacqueline brought the two women together. But as we saw, like, it doesn't last anyway. I mean... No. I, I don't know. I think Teresa, God bless her, but she's not the brightest. Um, no. And I think she it's taken her a long time to learn some important lessons about life. Um, Can I just say, the fact that she's just, like, leaned fully into being, like, a... like you know, not an airhead, but leaned into like, okay, so my thing is not going to be intelligence. <laughs> like my thing is just um, she's going to be like a guidette. Like she's leaning fully into that even now, even after everything she's been through. I think it's just testament. Like she really has always been authentic and true to herself and through doing that has still managed to retain like such a following. I don't think she, like, would know how not to be herself. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, true. I she I, just, she's authentic not because she wants to be. I think it's just, like, who she is. I don't think I, she could make up storylines. No, I agree with you. And that's that sort of reminds me of some of the, like, shall we call them ancillary characters, second-tier special guests, but other cast of characters, there are two in particular, the Kims, Kim G and Kim D, who have, particularly Kim D, who has been in almost every season of Housewives because of the posh fashion show. <laughs> um, but these... I didn't get that. Oh, sorry, Siri. These two women have been so hungry for fame. They have wanted so badly, it's so obvious, to be cast members of this show and not like in a um, Marlo on Atlanta kind of way. It's like they will never be housewives, but Bravo is like still willing to see them just put their all into it and walk away with nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, Moshi, do you know what posh stands for? It's like prostitution. (laughs) Piece of shit. Piece of shit. Every day, <laughs> every day, the e on the end of the part of posh. So posh, for those who don't know, is a boutique. Is that the right word? That is in New Jersey, and it is owned and managed by one Kim D. And Kim D is such a interesting looking and interesting sounding woman, and she has played both sides of almost every feud that has ever occurred on this show. And it's never worked in her favour. But she throws this fashion show every year, which no matter how much the women hate her, one of them is always in it or somebody's child is always in it. And it is like this huge thing within their community. You know, it's wild. Isn't it a charity event? Because that's like the drama in one of the like more recent seasons is that like they, they're involved because it's for charity and they're not supporting Kim D. They're supporting the charity. The charity. I, I, I think like we're hearing that obviously now in the later seasons, but definitely like in the earlier seasons, like 
when it was at the brownstone, which is also its own kind of character um, in how in, you know, the New Jersey housewives law, like it was a, a Kim thing, but yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's just how the posh fashion show is still going on and is still so huge is insane to me. I feel like the New Jersey community, though, like, I think it's a very special place. Like, <laughs> do you think about all the Jersey, like, reality shows as well that have come True. out? Like, I mean, we've got new Real Housewives of New Jersey. You've got, like, Mob Wives. You've got Jersey Shore. Well, Mob Wives is more Staten Island. Well, I'm going to lump it in with okay. Jersey. Okay, think it... that's been racist, but all right. <laughs> Sorry to all the New Yorkers listening, but... um. I think it is just, it's it's a unique place. Hence, I mean, like I said at the beginning, New Jersey is like a different planet on its own, in its own universe, in its own solar system. And we are just orbiting around them. Like it's their world and we just live in it. And it's honestly one of the most fascinating franchises because I could totally see how it could exist on its own, even if it wasn't called The Real Housewives. Like, if it had a different name, we would all still be watching it. Whereas, I don't know if I could say the same about some of the other franchises. Totally. You know, like, the new season is starting very soon, next week. Uh, what are you looking forward to? Like, what, what have you seen that you need to know more about? I don't know if there's necessarily anything that I've seen that I need to know more about. Maybe Jennifer Aiden. Like I want to, I think this season is going to focus more on her and rather than it previously being about her feuding with people, I think it's going to be more about her and like she's not coping with something and maybe she's not as happy as she seems and we're going to maybe go on a bit of a deeper, get a bit of a deeper understanding about her. I'm also really excited to see uh, Jackie Goldschneider, who is definitely the black sheep of the franchise. But for me, she's just such a fascinating woman because she is so different but still the same. And the fact that they, like, don't really want to accept her all the way, but people love her. So, um, you know, she doesn't have the same airs and graces, but... Her and her husband have both had, like, really interesting glow-ups since mm. being on the show. As much as they try to say that they're super down-to-earth, she kind of, in a roundabout way, reminds me of, of Bethany. Um, you know how Bethany kind of started and she was, like, this ragtag, scrappy person. And by the end of it, she's, like, so successful and, like, this huge empire brand thing I, I don't know I, I love that I can kind of see something perhaps maybe happening on a smaller scale for for Jackie Goldschneider but I also can't wait to see her get under Teresa's skin because no matter what she does like she can just blow her nose the wrong way it pisses Teresa off and becomes this huge thing and Dolores will then back Teresa up and I can't wait to see whatever that fight's going to be about oh well, and Marge well, I was going to say, like, that's definitely, like, the thing for me. Like, there's been so much hype around the feud between Jackie and Teresa this season. Teresa apparently goes for Jackie. Um, the, the, the amount of, like, Bravo bloggers that have been, like, talking about, like, having watched the, 
premiere episode of season 11 and the drama that it brings and the the i read today the amount of expletives yeah that they like like the whole episode is basically just beeping like (laughs) (laughs) shakespearean 100 percent shakespearean i am like i'm so interested like you know there's allegations uh, that's what I'm looking forward to, to, like, get to know more about um, Marge. Yeah, I forgot she was a character. I like the Marge because the Marge is, she's definitely developed over the seasons. Like, she's become, like, I think we like her a lot more now. But um, I like her as kind of the voice of reason because she never fully takes a side and even though she never fully will take a side, she's not adverse to to calling bullshit out and starting some drama. So I like that. Who would you want to bring back? Like one of the Ooh. New Jersey housewives that like you're going to bring back for season 11. You're going to put them, put them back into the mix of this current cast that we have. If she hadn't become such a right-wing bigot, it would have been Soggy Flicker. Um oh. Because I, when she was on the show, she was good. But um, the person that I'm seeing that she is now, and again, I mean, this is the thing. These are some of the controversies. There are people who have been on this show that now, since they were axed off the show or whatever, the level of toxicity that they are as a human being is, like, so beyond anything that we can even handle that you're like, thank fuck they're not on the show anymore. Um, who else would I... You know, I want to see more Melania. I want to know if she's got a new song. I want to know what's happening in her life. So you're going to bring Melania on as a full-time well, housewife? For those who don't know, Melania is Teresa's daughter. We have literally watched her grow up on the show. She released her own single on the show, Can't Wait to Grow Up. It's a bop. Listen to it. Free advertising. Um, but I, I just think, you know, maybe it's time to do like second generation (laughs) housewives and it's about Gia and her friends or something, but, um, yeah, I mean, Soggy Flicker and if she wasn't toxic and Jacqueline Lareda for me, I always had a soft spot for Jacqueline, something about her. Ah, interesting. See, I would probably be a bit like, um, I, I don't know, give the expected answer. I think... Caroline Manzo, like mm. I, oh, you're shaking your head. I'm shaking my head. What has she got now? She's a grandma. Yeah, but I think like just to get under Teresa's skin and like I, I think she, I think she was good for the show. I think I, I enjoyed her. Okay, so not Caroline, but what if I did just sort of say what if they did like 2.0 and it's the kids? What if they brought back her daughter Lauren? Because Lauren, who has a child now, is married to Vito. That was a whole other relationship that happened on this show. But she's, like, at the same age that I feel like Teresa was or, Jack, you know, Teresa and Jacqueline were when they started on the show. So I want, like, Lauren, um, Caroline's daughter. I want Ashley, who was Jacqueline's daughter on the show. I want Gia. Like, I want all these kids who have grown up. I want them on the show. What do you reckon? Mm, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know if we're here for it. Um, well, and the wives of Caroline's sons, like their girlfriends. I think. Um, I think if you're unhappy with my answer of Caroline Manzo, I will. I will 
given you answer <laughs> because that was incorrect, obviously. But uh, the twins. The twins were great. Ter- I liked the twins. Teresa. Because there was Teresa. Oh, yeah, because Teresa, there was Teresa. <laughs> but isn't the reason that they're not on the show anymore because they were, were they not tied in with the Marchese's? The way we say these names as well, it is very Romeo and Juliet. Like, it's intense. Well, yeah, the twins um, and the fact that I've even forgotten what one of their names is is, like, terrible. But um, they're, they're just called the twins. The twins. But, yes, they they were on for, like, one season. That whole season was a real, like, trash fire. Um, it was and- trash. I think the reason why the twins didn't get asked back was because there had to be a cultural reset. Like, I think, like, it had gotten so bad that they just had to, like, wipe the slate clean. And I think Teresa also went to jail. So, like, it was kind (laughs) of like when Teresa got back, it was like, okay, we can have, like, kind of, like, a fresh start. Um, But I think, like, there's no reason why they didn't come back. Like, Amber was, like, definitely way too divisive. Um, And obviously her husband's actions, like, again, talking about the controversies that the New Jersey families have brought. Um, The Marchese is just definitely, like, we're never going to be welcomed back into the Bravo fault. So uh, I don't think there's anything stopping them from coming back. But um, I would be, like, I think, Let's give them a second chance is what I'm saying. All right. So if we do, if we were to do like the TLDR of why you should watch The Real Housewives of New Jersey when it starts next week, particularly for somebody who's never watched it before, number one, it, it's its own universe. It's its own um, housewives world. It's, it's just so different from everything else. What would you say for number two? You know, I'm just in my head going through the amount of, like, iconic one-liners and moments that this show has brought. Like, the the posh, the piece of shit um, tagline. <laughs> like, prostitution whore. The fact that Teresa didn't acknowledge her nephew. Like, the list just is Sprinkle so cookies. Long. There's a lot. Um, I think also the... Shakespearean nature of it, the the blood ties, the the whole concepts of loyalty and blood being thicker than water, all the tropes that you get from like, uh, there's even like mob ties, you know, all the tropes that you get from like the Italian families and like that gangster world and I guess things that are synonymous kind of with New Jersey, they all happen in this. And it's a lot of, you know what it is really in New Jersey, it's a lot of like high school continued Oh, no, don't say that. It makes me sad. No, but I mean, like, I mean, like, in the same way that I think Dallas is, but Dallas is, like, a sprinkle cookie, I think that, like, New Jersey does it the right way and is, like, so much edgy. It's, like, so much more edgier. Also, the houses, we didn't even talk about the houses, the houses that have windows that go to nowhere. Um, There's some really good... tours of some of the New Jersey housewives and the way these houses have been built. These houses are fortresses that are just made of marble and stone and not really functional. (laughs) A lot of them are not functional. (laughs) Well, we've spoken spoken forever about Jersey and I know of New Jersey and I know we could totally keep going. But I think all I will say is if you've never watched an episode of The Real Housewives of New Jersey, do it. And if you have watched New Jersey before, keep on watching it and just re- re-watch it again. 
Yeah, and if you're looking for like a great place to start, what is it like season nine where we have like the current full-time cast? Yeah. Like that would be like a great in if you're just looking to join and catch up to next season, which starts next week. Yeah, I reckon season nine is a great place to start. Good call out, Patty. Well, Moshi, you know, everyone can always find us on the gram at the lower level pod. Yes, on Instagram. Um, And also remember to just rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. It's helping. The more you do it, the the more it helps to get the pod out there. So thank you. And Moshi, we have a special bonus episode this week where we're going to go deep dive into Salt Lake City Reunion. I can't believe it's here. Look out for those bonus episodes. They're coming. And, like, if you're on Twitter and you follow any Housewives pages, don't look because spoiler alert until you listen to the podcast. So many Salt Lake City uh, spoilers. Um, But, yes, rate, review, subscribe. Moshi, as always, it's been a pleasure. And just remember... If you fuck with me, you're fucking with my family. With family. And if you fuck with my family, you're fucking with me. <laughs> I love it. See-